Hey, it's Farm Girl, and this is Talk Farm To Me's 5 Live. It happens live on Instagram. That means that in its original recording, we are live face-to-face and have an active audience that asks questions. 5 Live is five questions for one farmer, but this week our audience was so lit up about farmer Francesca Duval, an alchemist farm, that we snuck in a few extra questions. I invite you to listen to our live conversation here, but if you want to see her eggs and her adorable chick, you have to go to my Instagram account at XOXOFarmGirl and watch the whole thing on my IGTV channel. Either way, you'll get the idea. Alchemist Farm is a humane hatchery and the chicks and eggs Francesca's 13 breeds produce will have you wanting to collect a diverse array for your backyard coop. Thanks for listening. This is the final episode in season five. More of Five Live will be a part of our new season, season six. So stay tuned for an announcement about that one soon. It's a pretty exciting series and partnership. I'll bring you some really awesome farmers and more. XOXO. Hey there, we are live. It is time for Talk Farm to Me's Five Live, and today we're heading to California to meet Francesca Duval, who is the farmer at Alchemist Farm, which is a humane chicken and uh, quail hatchery. And if my Instagram is any indication, people have a lot of A, passion, and B, questions about eggs and chickens. And I have been keeping a list, so... We're going to ask Francesca, um, we're going to ask Francesca five questions. So that's how we do five live. Five questions, one farmer, and I'm so excited that um, I get to welcome her and I am going to do it right now. Let's see. I think we're connecting. Okay. Well, um, there she is. Wow, it looks so beautiful there. It's sunny in California right now, for sure. We had weather in the 90s yesterday. It was hot. Wow, that is hot. Well, I got I woke up to snow this morning. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it is not an April Fool's joke. Everybody's like, ha, 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 that's an old picture. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's, it's real. It's real. It really isn't. My donkeys were very cross. I was like, hey, how are you guys? They're like, we're not talking to you. We know you did this. (laughs) Well, anyway, so I I had to move my desk into a sunnier room. So you can, it is actually sunny now. So I'm happy that there's no more snow falling because my neighbor said we were going to get six inches and I am not accepting that. So it's great (laughs) to see you. I'm so excited to talk with you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for making the time. Absolutely. Well, um, I was just saying that I get so many questions about eggs and um, about chickens. And I do like to joke that, you know, chickens are that gateway drug that gets you into all other kinds of trouble on a farm. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) I think we can talk a little bit about what's been going on during this crazy year um, in a pandemic with chickens. But I do want to hear from you first before we dive into questions. And I hope Um, Folks, you guys are watching and following. If you have any questions about chickens or eggs or anything as we go, because we're going to talk about some interesting stuff, please chime in. 
You can write your questions in the comment box um, right there. You can um, write it in that little question bubble and I can share that with everyone. So Francesca, give us an, a little overview, uh, 30 seconds or less about your farm and then we'll just dive right in. Our farm is a vertically integrated humane hatchery. Everything that we do is here on site. So we're really unique in the poultry world that we raise our own breeding stock. We have all of our groups here free of breeding cages. We collect all of our hatching eggs daily, sort them, make sure that they're the exact like colors we're breeding for and things like that. Wow. Hatch the chicks ourselves, ship them ourselves. We are run on 100% solar that we produce here on the farm. And all of our packaging is plastic free, which we're really proud of. So when we ship out chicks and hatching eggs, it's not just trash we're putting out into the world. We're getting little informational packets on how to uh, compost the materials. So trying to get some, some green thinking going as well with our farm. Also, we're a humane hatchery. None of our male chicks here are killed like they are at larger scale hatcheries. So trying to make lots of waves in the poultry industry to show what is possible and how treatment of chickens um, can look totally different from what we've been doing. Wow, great overview. And therein lie a hundred questions. Um, right, there's, there's a lot there. <laughs> but you do have a lot to be proud of. You're really, I mean, in one sentence there, there's a, there are a ton of accolades and uh, very exciting. Let's start, let's start with the humane part because I think when you say you're a humane hatchery, that means there are uh, hatcheries that are not humane. And you mentioned um, some very common practices and I just want like everyone who's listening, for example, um, we met a, a chicken farmer um, a couple of weeks ago on Five Live. Um, she does pasture raised chickens and I just, she's an awesome, awesome woman, great farmers. And I just wanna point out that they don't raise their own chicks and a lot of farmers don't. So if you're raising birds for meat or raising birds for eggs, often you gotta get your chicks from somewhere else and so one of those somewhere else's, I just wanted to point out that fact, one of those somewhere else's is Alchemist Farm. You guys can follow them on um, Instagram, at Alchemist Farm, just to get that out there. But explain the humane stuff to us. So humane versus inhumane, what's the story? So a lot of the education that we do, I try not to make like any kind of doom and gloom or like dark parts of the education, but sometimes you, you, you have to put it out there in black and white for people to understand what it is. So I've always kind of danced around it and I just say, we're a humane hatchery. And people are like, oh cool, that sounds nice. But to really just dive deep into what that is, the reason why I started the hatchery in the first place is because I found out what the practices are of larger scale hatcheries. I say larger scale because there are some small breeders like us who are doing it right. I don't know who, like, all the names of them, so I can't like offer them right now, but all the major ones that you're getting catalogs from or that you see online, all of the excess male chicks are killed upon hatch. And they're killed in really, I mean, anything that's being killed, it's not great, but they're incinerated or ground alive. And these are some really dark, dark practices. And when I heard that, I thought, there is no way that I can support that. It felt so incorrect in my heart. And that's what spurred everything here and, and what we started. And when we started seeing that practice, we, we saw all these other things that were happening with the poultry industry. And we knew that we had to offer something different. And that's why, that, that's why we feel really proud about what we do, because we're showing that it is possible to do it in these ways. And hopefully the greater poultry industry will take, take notice. Consumers definitely do because they want to support those practices. Well, I agree with you. Doom and gloom isn't always, you know, you know, what you want to talk about. But it's really important to point out, um, you know, 
well, certainly why you're doing what you're doing. And, and that's because you understand these practices. Now, how early, um, how early can you sex a chick, for example? So a lot of our chicks cannot be sexed upon hatch. There are some that you can sex based on their feathering uh, patterns. And those are the ones that we know from day one. Okay, here's the males and here's the females. Now, people will say, what are you doing with all the excess males? Here in, in Northern California, we have a really big agricultural uh, community. There's lots of grapes uh, being grown. And so there's a lot of migrant farm workers who come primarily from South America and they prize rooster meat. They know how to work with it. And so we donate our excess chicks to them. We have that kind of community to tap into. So we're also helping with uh, poverty issues and, and food insecurity for those folks. So people say, okay, well, where are your male chicks going? There's always a solution if you have like a little creativity and a little heart in it. Um, so I want to put that out there for people who want to know like, where actually are they going. The other chicks that we can't tell if they're male or female upon hatch, they're sold straight run, meaning it's a 50-50 chance when you get the chick if it's male or female. Larger scale hatcheries, they have professional like sexing uh, uh, crews that will, some chicks do it, some chicks don't. So some hatcheries, it, it is just straight run. In others, you can get a male or female chick. Um, and what they do is they take the, I have a chick, I'll show you. Oh my gosh, great. <laughs> I won't do it, the chick, but. So I'll not private it. for this chick. This chick is gonna get sexed right here live on Instagram. <laughs> but they'll, they'll take the chicks and they take their backside and they, they squeeze so that their backside comes inside out and then they look for a little bump. And the bump is a male and no bump is a female. Now, I don't do that to my breeds because I wouldn't want that done to me. So anything that I don't want done to me, I, I don't do to the animals. Yeah, I don't want that done to me either. Thank you. Can you hold up that chick a little bit so I can see her? Oh my gosh, what kind of chick is that? This is one of our German Bienfelder females. So you can tell that it is indeed a female based on its stripe. It's got this chipmunk stripe that runs all the way down oh its back gosh. and the males won't have a chipmunk stripe. And so that's how we know right away, oh, there's the females, there's the males. And some people just can't take the risk on straight run chicks. And so that's why we have the option of, of sex chicks for people. Right, amazing. Um, now just tell me, I know you have, I mean, you forget your Instagram egg situation like there's a lot of people out there with beautiful eggs but i i think you're definitely the queen so how many breeds of um chickens and quails do you have we have 13 breeds of chicken and two of quail the chickens we chose specifically for fun egg colors because well first of all temperament always temperament it doesn't matter if it's laying a golden speckly egg if that bird is mean we're not going to breed it because we want people to have a good interaction when they go outside and be in the barnyard. Everyone has these horror stories of being attacked by a rooster. Oh, I do. Know? Right? All of us do. But we have over 30 roosters here, and I've got young children under the age of 10. They can walk up to any of them, no issue. They can turn their back on them, no issue. So we're always selecting the sweetest boys and breeding for temperament. So temperament first, and then egg color second. So we've got all sorts of fun. Wow. Seeds. Things that will lay, you know, green speckly eggs. Beautiful. What's well? Tell us the breeds as you go. Just want to like, you know, this is a pullet egg, so it's a smaller size egg. This is an adult size egg of the same breed. These are our Swedish ice bar, and they're just a fun, fun, beautiful heritage breed. A lot of people have renamed them a Silver Rudd's Blue, so maybe you've heard them under that name. These are our heritage well summers. They have really fun speckling. And we're specifically choosing different breeds for different things. So these ones specifically for the speckling. 
uh, our Morans. Everyone's always really interested in those chocolate eggs, you know? Wow. I am telling you, I love your egg flex here. I'm super impressed. <laughs> it's, it's fun. These ones are from our moss eggers. These are a breed that we developed have really fun green eggs. Sometimes they have really heavy blooms over the top of them. Wow. So I feel like when people have these beautiful eggs that they're interacting with every day, like coming inside, this one looks a little pink when it's like next to a blue one, which is fun. It just gets people more engaged with nature. It makes you want to go outside more. It makes you want to interact with the chickens more, just having natural beauty in our life. And it's also a gentle way to get people to ask the questions, why don't I see these egg colors in the grocery store? And why is it only cream eggs I'm seeing or brown eggs? There's a whole world of biodiversity out there of chickens. It's really Answer good. those questions. Why are we only seeing brown and white eggs in the supermarket? I want blue eggs. And I mean, I have my own chickens. And I, I, honestly, I can't keep up with the chickens and ducks and all the eggs. But I do want to know the answer to that question, just like everyone else. So a lot of the major egg producers will be working with pearl leghorns, which is a chicken that lays a white egg. So that's what you normally see in the grocery store. And they can sometimes lay two eggs a day. These are like what? production birds. But they have this kind of like auto-destruct button where they only live for about a year and a half before they're turned over and turned and incinerated again this is like a big major practice of these larger egg producers um, right. so when you're buying those eggs in the grocery store what you don't realize you're supporting is that kind of practice people who keep those birds the birds always get some sort of strange cancer after about a year and a half because again it's this like auto destruct that they have where they're bred for high 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 production they'll lay all the way through the winter no supplemental light or anything and they just but these eggs that come from these kind of breeds where it's like really beautiful, really unique, they don't lay six, seven eggs every week. It might be five eggs a week. And so the larger producers aren't interested in that because they're just in the business of pumping out eggs. But someone who has a backyard, it's okay to have one less egg a week and to have a chicken that can last you many, many years and have a really full, beautiful life. And people just don't think about that or realize that that's what they're supporting when they go to the grocery store. And sometimes it's just about what we can afford and, and that's okay. Like no judgment there. If the people are in a place in life where that's what they can afford, it's fine. And maybe they can just get that awareness of like, okay, well, when I do feel like I have a little bit of extra money, maybe I support my farmer next door and I can still get eggs at a good discount and a fair price and supporting a good practice. You're, um, you're really surprising the pants off some people out there <laughs> like commenting that they're like, had no idea that this was happening. And I think it's important. We've got to really understand our food and, um, and where it comes from. And I think folks are just really um, excited. There was a question about those um, really dark, those French black Morans mm -hmm. um, are the, that you have those for sale, those kind of um, chicks. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah so. so 13 different breeds that are all listed on our website. And we've got fun profiles of all of them, of what they look like as adults and chicks and the eggs they lay. And we ship nationwide, but we're really careful about how we ship uh, only certain times of the year to certain states to make sure it's warm enough. And we pack all of our chicks with heat packs and grow gel and things like that. So they've got really uh, all the amenities for a journey. Wow, that's incredible. And um, just a question, I, I do want to ask about shipping, but just for, to go back for one second on temperament. Now, is that like, you know, chicken to chicken, meaning like you've got a Rhode Island red and she's just really cross. And so you don't want to, you don't want her eggs. Um, or are there particular breeds that are like less friendly or more friendly? 
yeah, absolutely. There's certain breeds who just hands down are just spazzes. And it could have been from like the breeding and what was selected for. Because every breeder, you get to select for different things. And for some people, it's just about how the bird looks. It's just about like uh, breeding to the standard of perfection. Standard of perfection is important for people who are showing birds or 4-H, FFA, things like that. But for us, we standard of perfection is the very last thing because we want people to have a good time with their birds, have beautiful eggs, and to, and to feel comfortable around them. Standard of perfection, last. Um, so uh, brother breeders have just bred for, for not paying attention to temperament without even thinking about it. But it's just something that's always been on the forefront. So we've tried bringing in different breeds that we thought were really cool, like all black chickens or... Um, this really beautiful like lavender cross that I loved and they just were not nice <laughs> like each time I went out for them they just act like I was going to eat them and I treated them the exact same as all my other birds they had beautiful pasture and they just Whoa! like each time I went out to them <laughs> okay I don't feel relaxed doing this no and this is someone's first interaction with chickens they're just going to think all chickens are crazy and they're not going to enjoy themselves at all so i i tried breeding them for a couple generations and it just was not coming out in the in that generational line so i said okay i'm gonna let go of that and the other 13 breeds we work with sometimes stinkers will arise like a we'll get a stinker <laughs> rooster like we'll have these beautiful like sweet trees of adults and then like these rotten apples will fall and we just don't we don't breed them so we do our best with temperament. Every now and again, there are naughty boys. It's easier to see with the boys because they just show their aggression a lot more than the mm -hmm. female hens. Um, but we, we take them out of the breeding pool and we'll either donate them to someone who would process them for food or someone who wants like a really aggressive protector if they just have really like hundreds of acres, which some people do out here and they, they love that because it's protecting their flocks from predators. Try and find good homes for them. Incredible. Thank you. Now, um, back to shipping for a second. I, I get the how, like you pack them and they're super comfy and they've got food and they're not, you know, you're taking into account weather patterns and what have you. Um, tell me a little bit about like how far your chickens go. Like, where's your, what's your range? All over. Alaska. We're, so we're in California. So they go Alaska, Florida, Vermont, Maine, it, everywhere. Everywhere. But only, only certain certain periods of time and certain windows and we'll kind of test ship like we've been testing um, only only being in California the past handful of weeks because it's been warm and those shipments have been going good good there might be a de day delay here and there but they're always making it and they're safe so we go okay we can move a little bit more like we'll go to Texas and so this last week the furthest we shipped was into Texas and this upcoming week we'll go into the Midwest and um, is this USPS you're shipping them? Yes. So I wish there was some other way. I wish I could use FedEx or DHL or all these other like companies because people would be like, can I just get them the next day? But the USPS is the only legal way to ship birds. Those other companies would ship reptiles, worms, you name it, all these things, crickets, but flies, but not, but not birds because the USPS needs to track birds for avian influenza and to prevent cockfighting. So every single shipment of birds is accompanied with a really special slip from the National Poultry Improvement Plan that allows us to legally ship over state lines. And that's tracked all throughout the United States. And uh, those other companies just don't, I guess they don't have that accountability or there's just not some way to be able to track it. So it's only through the USPS. Wow, so interesting. I, I have had a conversation with my post office uh, about eggs uh, and chick, I'm sorry about chicks, because they're like, yeah, it gets kind of noisy certain times of year in the post office. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, so that's awesome. Um, I just wanted to pause here for one second, just because we have so many people joining and some questions are coming through. And I also want to encourage anybody out there who has a question, no matter what we've talked about and what you've missed, go ahead and ask a question and, um, and we'll throw it out there. So here's an egg color question. Um, do you get a dark green uh, egg of if you breed a moran and a blue egg layer i've only ever seen light green eggs it would be cool to find a darker green egg if they exist yep so it all it all depends so the this kind of shade that the ice bar lays is more kind of like a sagey green and if you were to breed let's see here if you were to breed like a lighter brown with a blue Sorry, the sun's kind of playing with it there. Yeah, I, I can see it, yep. A lighter brown with a blue, then you would be getting this sagey green. So the ticket in getting those really dark, those kind of fun, darker shades of green is to always start with the darkest morans. And it's it takes time and it's some patience, but you'd want to go with the darkest morans hashed out that ended up being a rooster and using that rooster to then go with the blue egg layer so then you say, let's see if I can hold all three. Dun, 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 <laughs> it's like a juggling act. To then create this. Wow. And the first generation, it'll always create a green egg. But as you go further on down, if you wanted to breed this back to this, or this to this, then suddenly you have a 50-50 chance of green or brown. So your second generation is like, oh, are you going to get green or brown? And some people like that, like... Some people don't. If they only got one chick and it's a female and it lays a brown egg, they're like, Wah, I want a green. Come on. You know? so, so the this is like eighth grade genetics meets art class. I mean, this is insane. It is. What, a, what a project. I love this. I never really thought about it. Um, I, I, uh, I, I have, let's see, how many birds do I have now? I think I have 13 birds, six ducks, um, but the, and the rest are chickens. And I have two breeds. I'm curious, um, what's your experience been in the last year in terms of the popularity of chicks and, and new chick um, owners? I know you have a class, um, which is really cool because new chick owners probably have a lot more questions than you can answer. Um, but, but what's been your experience during this last year of the pandemic with um, folks raising backyard birds? Spring is always busy. People are thinking about chicks like March and April leading up to Easter. But March 13th is really when the lockdown started happening, at least on the West Coast in California. And March 13th, all of a sudden, it was like, boom, everybody was like, I need chickens. And I think there was this initial uncertainty about our food um, security and our resources as a country. People didn't know, like, oh, my gosh, is everything just going to crumble? And it's going to be like world war z and like I, I need chickens and so people were at first approaching it from fear um and then after they kind of like settled down a little bit and realized it's okay like things are still going to ship we're still going to have food then it became more of the hobby and the going to be in lockdown for a long time like we need something that gets us outside away from our screens interacting with nature uh having some sort of rhythm especially for kids that weren't going to school i got countless letters from parents who were so grateful that they have brought chickens into their lives they felt like it it helped their kids stay out of being in states of depression because they were just moving and they were outside and they they could care for something that cared back for them and it also fed them so it was actually, it was a very powerful year on many fronts for a lot of people. 
um, just the baseline of, of keeping chickens for food and then also all those emotional aspects and then even deeper and further of the ecological piece of seeing, oh, okay, these chickens are uh, leaving behind spent straw and there's droppings. What do we do with that? Well, let's, let's compost it. Let's put it in a garden. And as you mentioned at the very at the top of all this, it's like this gateway to a whole other world. Chickens really are because suddenly you can have this whole closed loop system of waste from the birds that then goes into healthy soil for a garden food for us from the garden and then any extra garden scraps can go back to the chickens. Um, people realize how much food waste they have in their kitchen on the countertop. Like we have a little composting bucket that is metal and has a little like uh, screen at the top so there's no smell from extra food scraps and things like that and we give that to the chickens every day. I'm so happy we don't put that in the trash because this is an incredible resource that cuts down on our grain bill, also gives the chickens more nutrients, but most importantly isn't going into the landfill because it's just waste. It's waste that doesn't need to happen. And um, so many of us saw all the ways this last year in 2020, how we have been living very fast paced in a lot of ways, very wasteful lives. And suddenly now we have more time to think about how we want to interact with the world, who we can interact with and uh, what kind of lives we want to live. And so the chickens were a really powerful piece for a lot of people in that. And I was really grateful to, to pay witness to that a lot of folks. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You know, people have asked me a lot of questions about um, my chickens and ducks. And, you know, sometimes it's just like, you know, hilarious things are happening here with, um, with the birds. So that's really fun. But, you know, we reuse everything and um, been sharing some uses for eggs, especially in growing tomatoes. So some really great tips for making tomatoes stronger come right from uh, the eggs, uh, you know, the eggshells that you get from your chickens, which is great. Some really interesting questions coming through. And I just want to say to everybody who's here and listening, thank you so much for the really positive comments. Um, you know, there's been a lot of love in your direction. And um, your, that your classes are great and that they are excited about getting their chicks and chickens. And, um, and there, there's an, this is a really interesting question um, uh, from Stegospine here. Um, can kids accidentally break an egg inside of a chicken? And what are the signs if that does happen? Never thought of this before, but can you break an egg inside a chicken? Not break an egg inside the chicken, but you can cause a chicken to be egg bound. So when a hen lays an egg, it's coming out of her with the point down and coming out. Bloop. But if a chicken is egg bound, then the egg was turned. And this can happen sometimes if a chicken is handled. It's, it's like this crazy fluke. You don't want to be afraid of holding the chickens, you know. But if a chicken is handled in just a certain way when it was about to lay the egg, it can come like this. And then it creates this locked door as opposed to the egg being able to come down and the chicken become, become egg bound. And then suddenly there's more eggs that want to come out. And after a few days, there's this backlog and the chicken can pass from this. Ooh. The way that you can tell this is happening is if the chicken is walking a little strange, kind of like it's a cowboy, you know, it's kind of like a wider stance. If the chicken feels extra heavy, I do like to pick up all my birds and just give them a feel every now and again to feel like, gosh, are they really light? Are they wasting away? Could there be like some sort of parasite issue or worm issue, especially after big rainfall? Or are they feeling really heavy, like more so than they've just been eating well? If they're overly heavy and they're walking a little strange, they might be egg bound. So you can take a peek and see, gosh, have I seen them on the nest? If you have fewer birds then you'll know, like, you know, did this bird lay in the ham next handful of days or this bird lay and you, you know who lays what? And um, you can take it to the vet or you can try and manually turn the egg yourself 
there's only one hole in the back of a chicken and everything comes out of it. So with gloves, always mm. gloves, then you want to just carefully try and turn the egg. But Fascinating. No, no egg breaking. And, and so inside a chicken, only, I mean, you said there could be a backlog of eggs. Now that would be unnatural. Is it usually just one egg developing inside of a chicken at any, any given time or they're in different stages? different stages. It's incredible. If you ever process a chicken yourself, you'll see there's actually a whole string. It's like this nautilus of eggs developing in different sizes. It's really beautiful coming down and then to the very end where it's actually forming large and then the shell comes around it. There's no shells further up, but you can see the, the, uh, the like miniature yolks, essentially. Okay, that has long been a question that I have been asked. And you know what I like to say? Ask a farmer, not Google. So I have been waiting for this conversation because I just find like Google, you end up down a hundred rabbit holes and you don't get the truth. So Francesca, thank you for that. Now so I get questions from, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There's so much research you can do, but really just the hands-on is number one. Just the years in and out of just seeing what, what is real. And as opposed to just what's, what's been written in the past, because that might have just been some person's idea or some theoretical thing, but what's actually practically happening. So I'm happy you said that. Yeah, well, let me, I brought some eggs myself. And this is a great question that came to me from a five-year-old who um, I, uh, my husband took his uh, business associate a dozen eggs and, uh, well, a dozen chicken eggs and a dozen duck eggs. And so, he and his son have been making their way through all of them. And as you and I have discussed uh, uh, just in messages on Instagram, I love the different sizes because that's not something that you see in the supermarket. They're all sized. But check this out. So this is like a normal chicken egg, right, that I get. I have Rhode Island Reds and I have Wanadots. And then look at this. Look at this. Okay. Talk to me about egg sizes. Like, why does this happen? Was that a new layer that you got? Or is this a layer that's established? That yeah, she's, they're new. It, I mean, they're new. They're new. Yeah, and last, I got them last August. But this is, okay. This is the big egg. This is the regular size egg. This is how they're usually, the new layers are usually laying. And now look at this teeny tiny. It's like a, it's like a dime. <laughs> yep. It's, it's the pullet egg. It's just them starting. Like I was showing before, this is the egg size of the ice bar does lay. And when they first start, they're starting something smaller. The body's just getting warmed up. Just okay. like when you first start to develop, things are kind of like touch and go. It might not be the regular rhythm that we're used to. It's the exact same with the hens. They just, they start smaller. The egg will not be this size forever. If it is, then there might be some sort of genetic abnormality happening. So you'll just always have kind of a special hen with smaller eggs, but you should be expecting that they do get larger. And this can take a few weeks it's really important if you want to hatch your own eggs, not to hatch these smaller ones. We have a couple educational videos on it in our feed. If you go back, there's IGTV and Reels. We have a game, would you hatch it? And we hold up different eggs with different sizes, really big, really small, really pointy. Would you hatch it, yes or no? And we go over why you don't want to hatch small eggs or oblong eggs because it'll create chicks that are either too small that will have failure to thrive or chicks that have improper hip development if the eggs are really torpedo shaped there's all these reasons why you want to pick really uniform eggs so those really small eggs are are going to get bigger over time and certain breeds just do lay smaller like our, our cerama is one of the world's smallest chicken breeds this is as big as the eggs get but the mm. hens are also like yay big you know 
right they're full, full size they're very itty bitty so um one of our um one of our followers here is um curious she has a hen that loves to eat <laughs> and she's a little worried about maybe she could um get overweight is that something that happens or do they just eat and until they're full they eat until they're full i always have free choice out with my chickens and you can watch you know there's exceptions to every rule Every year I'm surprised by something new. And so I would not be surprised if there is like a Garfield chicken out there that's just like luxuriously taking in all the grain. I've never seen it, but it's totally possible. So what I would do with your hen is watch it and just see, okay, is she just eating a lot like in the morning or in the evening and then just cruising around the rest of the day? Or is she really at the feeder like all 12 hours when she's there during the day? Then you might want to take some of the food out. Certain breeds do do that, but they're bred for meat production like the Cornish cross, all the meat that we get from the grocery store is always this one breed, the Cornish cross. And they are indeed bred and selected just to eat and eat and eat and eat because from hatch until slaughter, it's something like two months. It's a very short period of time. And so that's all they're doing, just eating to the point where it's, it's kind of gross. They just like, they eat so fast that they just, their legs like will break underneath them or they'll get heart attacks. It's just a, a bonkers thing when you see it your own eyes but a regular chicken that's for egg production shouldn't be doing that all right very 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 good there's so many so many things to know about chickens and everybody here is super fascinated um if you guys aren't following francesca and alchemist farm yet you can find her on instagram at alchemist farm obviously you can find me here at xoxo farm girl um always something fun going on with chickens here um you are better than google by far <laughs> that's what people are saying i'm just telling you if you need to know something about um your chickens or what to do with them what what do you guys feed them i know they're out there free ranging um is that it or do they get a supplement no i would love if they were just off of the pasture and bugs but no they also get grain and we're really fortunate to live near a local grain mill here in Northern California, we have Hunting Barons in Petaluma. They don't ship nationwide, but gosh, their their grain mixes are really well formulated and mixed. They have organic lines, uh, non-GMO lines, and then conventional lines, and they, they really just know their stuff. And we have two silos, and we get bulk grain delivered. And I'm so happy that we invested in that infrastructure because a lot of feed bags are packaged in plastic. And if we were getting plastic bags, it would just be an ecological nightmare. Thousands and thousands of bags. But the silos just totally do away with that. So we're able to support a local company, do away with the plastic. And if you have, there are local grain mills all over the United States. So wherever you are, there's someone close to you. You can always inquire. Thank you. Excellent. And can you, um, there's a, a little question about coop advice, which is something that we shouldn't leave unturned here. Um, just in terms of, I mean, this is more of a materials question, as in, should we be, be careful about, I'll pop the question up on the screen there. Um, should we be careful when picking a stain or, you know, anything like that, that you're like putting in your coop or, um, do you have some like, you know, just some quick, uh, quick tips for coops? Yeah. So definitely stains, paints, anything like that. I wouldn't put them in the inside of the coop. Chickens are curious and they're going to peck. Chickens are also attracted to red. Um, that's why you, if there's any kind of wound on any of the chickens, they'll go after them and start pecking them. So you got to be really careful and watchful for that. So I wouldn't paint the inside of it red because there's flecking. They're going to eat it. I've had a couple cases where chickens had eaten lead paint and they got 
poisoned, not here on the farm, but customers of ours. Um, we found out because the chickens passed away, they had a necropsy and sent it in. So got to be careful about what you're putting in the inside of the coop. You can paint the outside of the coop, but make sure that's fully off-gassed before you have any chickens in there, because whatever you wouldn't want to breathe, you don't want to have your chickens breathe. So treat your animals how you would treat yourself. And always size your coop bigger than you think, because once you get a few breeds, you're going to say, oh, wish I had a few more of that one and this one and it'll save you a lot of money and time in the long run if you just have a bigger coop so if you're not free-ranging the birds you want to make sure to have less birds bigger coop bigger run more square footage if you have an automatic door that just lets them out first thing in the morning and they're out on pasture you can get away with a little bit of a smaller coop because they're just sleeping in there and not actually being cooped up in there <laughs> so size it up to your to your activities Right. Don't be cooped up in your coop. Um, so approximately how many birds do you have um, on your farm at any given time? Just shy of 300. Whoa. And you pick them all up? We do. <laughs> That's a lot of birds to pick up in a day. I don't, I'm surprised not you have each time one, for us. Not each one every day. <laughs> but as I'm going through, like maybe like I'll, I'll work with the wall summers one day and like pick them up and look at them and like talk to them. And the next day it might be like the Morans, you know, walk around. But we, we can't collect every egg every day. Yes. Sure. Oh, that's, that's great. So there are a couple of questions here. Yes, she's selling um, chicks year round, but it depends on it depends on weather. So you want to check. Um, you can check her website or follow her on Instagram at Alchemist Farm. Um, Francesca, this has been an incredible time. I feel like we could just like stay here all day. Plus, I've heard the roosters in the background, which is amazing. Um, but before you go, I hope that you will humor me because I have my own little game show. You may have um, heard of it. Um, after a really long day on the farm, the question is, what do you prefer, cookies or cocktails? And I'm going to need a recipe from you so I can try it. <laughs> Ooh, well, definitely cookies. Excellent. I haven't baked a good cookie in a while, ever since I got one from Kyle Clark, who's a dairy farmer. Um, really tough competition, I'm just going to tell you. Mm, I like a ginger molasses cookie. Excellent. Do you have a recipe you might send me for, to make? Absolutely. Fantastic. Great question. Fantastic. All right. So I will be making Francesca's cookies. Um, you can <laughs> tune in for that. I love the opportunity to be with all of you here today so that we could really connect with um, a farmer who really knows her stuff. This is the place to go. Ask a farmer, not Google. It's been great having you here on uh, Five Live. And we did sneak in more than five questions, which happens, especially when people are lit up, lit up about a topic like this. Um, happy Easter to everyone out there. Uh, this is a, a, you know, more apropos than I could have actually <laughs> planned, but those incredible eggs, you don't need any dye for them. Um, you should see the pictures that um, that Alchemist Farm has on their Instagram because um, it's going to make you want a lot more chickens um, of different variety. I know that's true for me. So next time I get chickens, I'm coming for you. Thank we'll you so you. much. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I have a great day. Thanks for sharing the California sunshine and um, you can find her, Alchemist Farm. Find me here, XOXO Farm Girl, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep the conversations with farmers going. Thanks again. Bye. Bye.